0: You're listening to Nest Talk, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Now, here's your host, Christopher Linfant. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ravens flock, my name is Christopher Linfont, bringing you another edition of the Nest Talk podcast, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Today is um, actually... December 6th, Friday, December 6th, and we did not have an episode of Nest Talk last week, to which I am so, so sorry to everyone. Between the Thanksgiving holiday and a lot of the work I had to do actually for the podcast, we were not able to get um, an episode in. What I mean by that with the work for the podcast is we actually had a technical issue with the, it's a little technical to talk about, but the RSS feed, if anyone knows what that is, essentially it's um, the feed that sends our podcast to iTunes. Um, pretty much broke down. Um, this was noticed actually because uh, we were joining Bo- Birdland Sports, a podcasting network for Ravens, uh, Orioles, and Baltimore sports. Um, so go check them out at BirdlandSports.com. But anyway, we were fixed. I was playing with this RSS feed, and essentially we had to take every episode of Nest Talk from our current host, which is this through the website BaltimoreFeather.com, and then move it over um to a new program now it looks like the feed is fixed and we're actually on itunes net i mean i'm sorry we're on spotify now because of this feed um this new feed and as well as itunes has been updated and and it, it looks pretty good so far it's much more responsive i like it a lot better so essentially all 54 episodes that were currently um on the old feed had to be moved over to the new feed and that required quite a lot of work manual work because i couldn't just hit a button and have it done i had to do it all manually so that took quite a while that's Pretty much the two reasons we didn't get an episode of Nest Talk in last week. Um, so again, I apologize for that. But we, you know, we'll make it up for you today with this brand new episode. But if you're listening again on iTunes, um, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating on iTunes as well. If you're listening on Spotify, welcome. Uh, this is pretty much the first episode that's actually correctly on Spotify. We did try to get it on Spotify before, but we had errors. I think are tied to that that old RSS feed. The new one now everything works perfectly. So if you're listening on Spotify, welcome. Um, I follow the podcast on Spotify. Uh, that always helps. And, of course, if you're listening on YouTube where a large chunk of our audience is, make sure you subscribe on YouTube, like the video, give me some comments, feedback, whatever you want. Just let me know what you think about the podcast, and, of course, I'll take any suggestions in the future. If you have any questions for any episodes of the podcast, we haven't had any questions at a couple episodes here, uh, make sure you send them in. On the YouTube comments or tweet us at Nest Talk, and of course you can find us at Nest Talk on Twitter. You can also find me at Chris or the Baltimore Feather at Be More Feather on Twitter. That's always a great thing to do is follow us at those platforms. That way you can get to us um, all the latest Ravens opinion i'm sorry news opinions by me and of course every time nest talk comes out we'll be publishing it on twitter um, but of course the best place to get nest talk will always be baltimorefeather.com um, where if you subscribe to an email news list um you know it'll pop up every time there's a new episode of nest talk but of course if you're following us on itunes it'll show up in your podcast library same thing with spotify um, and of course you can find us on facebook nest talk and facebook just uh and nest talk and baltimore feather just search us up on facebook um, finally, I want to remind you that our, our affiliate partner, Foco, has a great deal going on for all NFL merchandise, um, Ravens merchandise, even Orioles merchandise, any league, you know, everything 10% off, Foco.com. Use promo code Feather10. That's Arabic numerals 10 at the end of Feather10, just number 10 at the end of Feather. You get 10% off your entire first order at Foco.com which is I think a very very good deal. Especially this when we're coming up on the holiday season, of course you got a lot of Ravens fans in your lives, you want to uh, get some gifts for, that 10% really can help, especially if you're trying to get a few things. So, we have a lot of news this week and and we didn't do the podcast last week, so we are missing some news from last week, but we have news that actually took place this week since the 49ers game. And of course, we'll talk about the 49ers game, we'll talk about the Rams game. Um very important games for very important points on both of those games. Um, I will confess I didn't watch the full 49ers game. I haven't had the time to. It's been pretty hectic around uh, my entire situation here. but you know, we got I got to the 49ers game actually at, at halftime. I was traveling back to Baltimore from Thanksgiving. And of course you know, Thanksgiving traffic on i-95, not very fun. Um, So we were stuck quite a while, but maybe that was better because, you know, it was pouring rain and I would have suffered through that for two whole halves. So we only got there for the second half, third or fourth quarter, but we'll talk about what I saw. We'll talk about what the win means, and of course we'll go in depth on the the Rams victory as well. But first we have to get through the news, and there are quite a bit of transactions to go through, so let's just name them all first, and then we'll pick apart each one. So um, in chronological order here, the Ravens on November 26th placed Matt Skura on the injured reserve. This is because of the season-ending knee injury he suffered um, against the Rams on that Monday night football game. The Ravens signed center Jake Brendel to replace him on November 27th, but on November 30th, they waived Brendel and signed guard Parker Eninger. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. It's E-H-I-N-G-E-R, Eninger, I think. Sorry, Parker. Um, on December 2nd, they waived Bennett Jackson, the defensive backslash special teams player, but this is because they were pretty sure that they were going to activate Brendan Trawick from the IR, which is exactly what they did on December third, activating him from the IR so that he took Bennett uh, Bennett Jackson's place. Um, then the Ravens signed offensive guard Will Holden to the practice squad on December fourth, and then finally the Ravens waived defensive lineman Zach Siler and claimed Hronis Grassi, the center who spent time with the Ravens last year, off of waivers, and that was on December 5th. So now today's December 6th. We don't have any more roster moves to talk about, um, but we'll go into each one of these right here. And and I want to start with Matt Skura, not only because it's chronologically the first move that actually happened, but I think it's the most important move the Ravens made in this, this series of transactions here. Listen, for all the criticism Matt Skura has gotten, as the Ravens center from last year, even a part of this year. He's improved drastically, and there's really—I don't think any way you can contest that point. Matt Scarra has looked very much better in, 20, in 2019 than he did in 2018. And, you know, the offensive line as a whole has been pretty good for Baltimore this year. Our two tackles are fantastic. Marshall Yonda at the right guard is always good. Bradley Bozeman at left guard, not so great there. Um, you know, but he can improve— and when Matt Scurra goes down, you know that's a that's a major problem for the Ravens, or it, it appeared to be. Matt Scarra, you know, it's it's tough to break him down, but his importance to this line cannot be understated. Okay, and the worst part about this injury for him specifically is was he he was going into a free agency year. He's going to be an RFA, a restricted free agent, after the season, and you all know what this injury means, a season-ending knee injury to the IR means for Matt Scura. It means any prospect of a high-paying contract after this year, which he could have gotten because he was playing much better than he was, and he was leading the AFC in center Pro Bowl votes. Don't forget that. Now, you know, any contract he would have gotten it's definitely going to take a hit. Monetary-wise, the value of it will take a hit because of that knee injury. Because any team that signs him, whether it's the Ravens or not, I think the Ravens will try to keep him after the season. But that knee injury hurts. It really hurts his prospects of getting a new contract. And that's probably the worst part about this um, this entire debacle here for Matt Skura. Now, Matt Skura was replaced by Patrick McCurry. Now, you'll remember Patrick McCurry, um He was on the Ravens' offseason roster, undrafted free agent. I don't actually know where he's from. I should have looked that up. But Macari, you know, I did not expect much at all from Macari coming into this game, you know, when he had to come into the game because he obviously wasn't playing until Scar went down. And my assumption was they put Macari at guard and Bozeman at center since that's what Bozeman played in, in college at Alabama. And he's, you know, had more experience on this team. Um supposedly, you know, a 2018 pick versus 2019 undrafted free agent should be, you know, in theory, the better player to go into the center position, but that's not what the Ravens did. The Ravens kept Bozeman at left guard, and they put McCarry at center, and they asked McCarry to help block Aaron Donald. So, number one right there, that's a pretty tall task. Not only to go in and play center for an injured Skura, but to be part of the blocking mechanism of Aaron Donald, one of the most dominant defensive defensive linemen this league has ever seen. And you know what? McCarry did pretty darn well. Honestly, he did very well for his position. I don't think Donald had a sack. No, he didn't have a sack all night. I don't even know if he had a tackle all night. That's how good McCarry did. And he was very surprising, and I'm very glad the Ravens have McCarry to come in and take over at least in the short term, for Matt Skura, for the rest of the season. Don't know what's going to happen after the season. But I think he played very well against the Rams, and he definitely deserves to start center for the rest of the, of the year until he messes up, which I don't know if he will, because if you don't mess up against Aaron Donald, you're not going to mess up um, against the Jets' defensive line, let's say. Um, so that'll be a very interesting... Um, position player to watch moving forward in McCarry, But, you know, so the Ravens placed Metzger on the IR to make and they have to make well they made room for a new signing. And I actually didn't catch this because this was like I don't think it was on Thanksgiving, but it was like the day before or whatever, so I really wasn't paying attention to too much Ravens news, but they signed Jake Brendel, the former UCLA um, center. Now, he was an undrafted rookie free agent in 2016 when he signed with the Cowboys. Um, but if he was cut after the offseason, spent time with the Dolphins from 16 to 18. That's three seasons in Miami, and then it was cut, um, or the part of Miami, I don't know if he was cut, uh, he left for Denver, and after Denver um, being an offseason member, he joined the Baltimore Ravens this season. And honestly, if this was right after we signed him, I'd probably be trying to tell you what was good about him. What I liked about Brendel, but it does not actually matter because the Ravens ended up waiving Brendel, as I said earlier, for Parker Enninger. I am so sorry, Parker, because I'm having a terrible time pronouncing your name, Parker Enninger. Um, so he's a he's a guard. Um, he was a fourth round pick by the Kansas City Chiefs in 2016. So same class as Brendel, but actually was picked. Um, Now, he spent two years with the Chiefs, 16-17, and before moving on to the Cowboys in 2018. Spent time with the Jacksonville Jaguars and Arizona Cardinals this year. And now he's on the Ravens' roster. And honestly, I think Enninger will probably be a better depth player for the Ravens at this point than Brendel. He has more experience, you know. Being that draft pick, he has some high hopes. And look, I don't know much about either of these two players. To be completely honest with you, I don't. Um, and I don't think either of them would have made the field anyway. But I think as a backup, I think I like Enninger better just because of that higher value in the draft. Um, you know, he he spent time with the Chiefs. Um, he's 6'6", 3, uh, 3'10", 3'10 pounds, six foot six tall. So you know, he he plays um, pretty tough. He's from Cincinnati. Um, the college, and we'll have to see if he can do anything for this offensive line. I don't think he'll ever touch the field this season. I really doubt he even be back next season, but if something does happen, at least we have somebody who, who has a little bit of pedigree behind him It um, might be able to do something for the Ravens here. Now, when the Ravens waived Bennett Jackson, you know this move essentially was to make room for Brendan Trowick, and I really feel bad for Bennett Jackson here. Um, the Ravens waived him again on December 2nd, and, and Jackson, you know, he's a guy that spent a couple of years with the Ravens on the, on the offseason roster. He was with the Giants for a while. I think he was drafted in like, or undrafted or whatever. He, he was on the Giants in like 2014 or something like that. So he's been in the league for a while but just hasn't stuck anywhere. And I really do feel bad for Bennett Jackson here. Um, but I think, if I remember correctly, and I'm checking now, that he was actually picked up by somebody. But, um, yeah, he was. So Bennett Jackson, he comes into the Ravens, right? And we know he's really not going to play much safety. That's his typical position. We've seen him um, in the offseason apparatus before. We know he's really not going to do that for us, and that's not what his purpose was. Even though he was brought in after Deshaun Elliott was injured, the Ravens had him play more special teams than anything. And he made some key tackles for the Ravens, and he looks good on special teams. But when pro bowler Brendan Trawick is available to return, pro bowl special teams player Brendan Trawick is available to return, there really isn't much of a choice than to cut Bennett Jackson because who else are you going to cut, right? Who are you going to let go to make room for Bennett, I mean, sorry, Brendan Trowick? It has to be someone who plays the same position because you're not going to load up on, on two guys when one's not really going to play that much anymore. And Bennett Jackson was filling that position, and he happened to be in the crosshairs. And look, he did fairly well for the Ravens. He really did. But Trowick is just better. And that's really the end of the discussion. Now, it's not all sad ending for Bennett Jackson because through this, um, he actually got picked up by the New York Ravens. And by that, I mean the Joe Douglas, former Ravens scout, leading the New York Jets. And it feels like they just keep taking Ravens players over and over again. You know, you got C.J. Mosley. I think Alex Lewis is still there. There's a couple other guys, I think. I think Maurice Kennedy's with the Jets now. And now Bennett Jackson is... So, you know, Joe Douglas is picking up our scraps a little bit here. And he was claimed by the New York Jets, which is huge for him. It really is huge for Bennett Jackson. Not only is he going to be able to play special teams again and potentially fill a role um, and make some money doing that, but it's the Jets, and they need help in the secondary. Everywhere, really. I would not be surprised if Bennett Jackson gets the opportunity to play in the secondary. The only really good player they have in the secondary is Jamal Adams, right? The strong safety. He's fantastic. We almost traded for him. But, you know, that that whole Jets team is a mess. And Bennett Jackson, with them being eliminated from the playoffs pretty much, I don't know if they're mathematically, but, you know, they're a losing team. Bennett Jackson can totally get reps in that secondary. I wholeheartedly believe it. And I wholeheartedly believe that Joe Douglas wants to see what Bennett Jackson can do for him not only as a special teamer but as a defensive back as well and is evaluating him. next season because that's what the Jets have to do at this point evaluate for next season because this season is lost so he's essentially getting a tryout for next year which is fantastic for him because he wouldn't be on the Ravens roster next year I highly doubt it I highly doubt he would have been so this is a much better opportunity for him so it actually by getting cut by the Ravens Bennett Jackson actually gets a better deal with the New York Jets which is fantastic for him now again for a former special teams pro bowler Activated from the IR the next day on December third. And, you know, he played special teams for the Ravens early on in the year in Miami and against the Arizona Cardinals at home. But an elbow injury against the Cardinals kept him out of the out of the field for quite a long time. And he was placed on the IR after a couple weeks. Didn't know if he would actually return, but this is now the Ravens' second return from the IR. You can't you can't forget Emman Marshall returned as well. So the Ravens used up both of them. And I think Brendan Trowick, you know, I keep saying it, but he's a very good special teams player. And I think he's actually going to provide a valuable um, service to the Ravens here, especially with that Justin Bethel. You know, no, no more Justin Bethel on this roster. The Ravens are really missing that key special teams player. Trawick coming back in should be able to be that guy. And I'm very happy he's back. I think it's a good move for the Ravens to bring him back, even though we had to cut Bennett Jackson, who was actually doing very well. Um, you know, Trowick coming back makes a lot of sense here. Will Holden to the practice squad? Honestly, I know nothing about Will Holden at all. Um, You know, he's an offensive guard. Um, He's 6'7". He's from Vanderbilt, 330 pounds. He was drafted in the fifth round of the 2018 draft. I'm sorry, 2017 draft. Let me see who actually drafted him here. Um, The Arizona Cardinals drafted him fifth round, 157 overall. 13th pick in the fifth round listen I don't think that this is a major move for the Ravens but you know putting him on the practice squad okay I know they have Marcus Applefield back on the practice squad they just keep shuffling the practice squad and now want to make sure they have some offensive linemen in case that something happened to the point where they had to go in and grab somebody for a very quick turnaround because that's what the practice squad is good for that and developing players long term but you know the Ravens right now aren't looking to develop him or Marcus Applefield long term they want these guys on the squad in case something happens in the near future to the point where they have to sign somebody like immediately to get on the roster and play, right? They're not going to go find a street-free agent who might be better than the guy they have to play Sunday if they're trying to sign somebody on Saturday, right? That's what the practice squad is really for here at this point. And finally, this is actually more surprising. Waiving Zach Siler and claiming Hernandez Grassi off waivers. This is the second time Zach Siler has been cut this year. And Zach Siler actually, the Ravens were hoping to get him back on their practice squad, uh, but they miscalculated. Ozzie Newsom's last draft pick was actually claimed. Um, now I can't even find who it is. By the Dolphins. he's claimed by the Dolphins. Miami Dolphins claim Zach Siler, Ozzie Newsom's last draft pick out of Ferris State, the defensive lineman. That's a bit of a problem because the Ravens wanted him on the practice squad. But they exchange him, and this is what makes me kind of confused here, for Hronis Grassi. and you'll remember last year, uh, or maybe you won't because it was kind of minor, but Hronis Grassi spent a couple of months with the Ravens on the active roster last year. Former Bears player, had a lot of injuries in Chicago. That's one of the main reasons that Chicago has not did not hold on to Grassi. He wasn't very good in Chicago, but all the injuries were a problem. Bringing in Grasso when you already had brought in e- Enninger, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I mean, he's not going to start, and now you're having two deep offensive linemen. I- I'm kind of confused by the move, to be honest with you. And I know Zach Siler hasn't done anything for us. But it's a little early, I think, to give up on him, especially as the seventh-round draft pick. Now, we could potentially get him back at- after the end of the season, depending on what the Dolphins do with him. But Miami's in rebuild mode. They're looking for guys. And if they think Zach Siler gives them an advantage at somewhere next year, they're going to hold on to him. So we probably lost Siler for a while. And again, he didn't do anything for us. But I think it was a little too early to give up on him completely. Maybe they sh- should have just kept him on the practice squad. I'm not sure. Um, but that being said, he is no longer a Raven. And Hiranis Grasso is. And, and I do have to say, the Ravens have made quite a lot of moves for a team that's chasing a championship this year and doing it successfully at 10-and-2. This is a team that has made quite a lot of free agent moves, free agent acquisitions, trades, cuts throughout this entire season. I mean, this roster turnover has been nothing but extraordinary. Aside from, like, key players, no one's safe. Maybe this is the whole Eric DaCosta way. and I mean, it's working. I'm not going to complain. But it's kind of surprising for a team that that's on the cusp of a Super Bowl championship here to be, you know, turning over the roster every other week. So, I mean, the injuries, you can't help it. Someone like Skura, you know, you got to replace him somehow. But it's still kind of strange to me. Okay, moving on to the injury report, as we always like to do every week, we give you the injury status of the Ravens players heading into the game. This week's injury report is interesting because there's a few players on it. Actually, you know, quite a number of players on it. Um, Not all are injury-related as always, uh, but we actually have Friday's participation in kind of early. So we'll let you know what happens here. So Nick Boyle, tight end, was sick on Wednesday, so he did not participate at all, but he came back on Thursday and was a full participant. Um, Brandon Carr, the cornerback slash safety slash anything in the secondary at this point, he had a non-injury-related absence on Wednesday and returned as a full participant on Thursday. Mark Ingram II, the, the running back, uh, he had a non-injury-related absence as well from thir- Wednesday's practice but was a full participant on Thursday as well. You can so- see a trend here. Jimmy Smith, non-injury-related absence on Thursday, full participant. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm speaking too fast here. Jimmy Smith, non-injury-related Absence on Wednesday, returned on Thursday. Earl Thomas, not injury related absence, on Wednesday, returned Thursday. Um, another absence, non-injury-related, Brandon Williams, did not participate on Thursday. He's not listed on the injury report on Wednesday, so I assume he practiced then. Um, Marlon Humphrey has a thigh injury, limited participant in Wednesday's practice. Seth Roberts has a knee injury, um, limited on Wednesday, and of course, I forgot to mention here, Marlon Humphrey and Seth Roberts both limited on Thursday as well, so Wednesday and Thursday. Patrick Onwasso, ankle injury, limited Wednesday, limited Thursday. And finally, Marquise Brown has an ankle as well, um, but he practiced on Wednesday but was limited on Thursday. Now, we do have information about Friday's practice, not if anyone was limited or not, but we know that everyone practiced in some dimension today, Friday. And that's huge. I mean, everyone here knows how big that is for the Baltimore Ravens to have a completely healthy team. Well, not completely healthy, but a super healthy team moving into the Buffalo Bills game. Because this, listen, the Bills are no joke, okay? You can laugh all you want about Buffalo and their history of being a bad team. But these Buffalo Bills are no joke. And to have a fully healthy team, as healthy as it's going to get, you know, limited participants and all, going into a tough matchup in buffalo, this is what the ravens want to say, especially when they're chasing a championship. A healthy baltimore ravens is is crucial. Um so that's our injury reports for this week. If anything else happens, you can find that out at the baltimore feather and I'll tweet out out if, you know, any major, major injury news happens where someone won't, you know, be participating in the game or something like that. Um But we will not really know much more until actives and inactives are published before the game this Sunday, which again is in Buffalo. Um, So one more piece of news before we move on into our game recaps here. I just want to mention that Brandon Carr has been nominated slash awarded the the Ed Block Courage Award for the Baltimore Ravens. if, If you don't know, the Ed Block Courage Award is a yearly award given out by an independent foundation. Ed Block used to be a player on the Baltimore Colts. Um, I think he goes to one player on every team in the National Football League, and Brandon Carr, I mean, no surprise, he's a fantastic guy, so heavily involved in charity work around Baltimore, it's, it's really insane, every time you turn around, there's another video, there's another article about something else Brandon Carr is doing with his time and money, so it's really fantastic for him to be nominated for this, and I believe he, I mean, he's been the Walter Payton nominee for two years running now, I don't know if he is this year or not, but I kind of expect him to be, um... So, it's, it's really fantastic everything he does. He's a completely upstanding guy. And he totally deserves, in my opinion, this award. So, congratulations to Brandon Carr uh, for being the Ravens' nominee for the Ed Block Courage Award. Now, moving on here, I want to talk about the LA Rams game because we didn't talk about it last week because there was no episode of Nest Talk last week. Now, that game, to me, and if you looked at my predictions, I thought it was going to be much closer. I thought the Ravens would actually lose. It just felt like, one of those games where everything's going for you, but it just doesn't pan out. You know what I mean? The Ravens have that kind of stuff happen all the time. At least they did in past seasons, right? Not now. Um, but it felt like, to me, the Ravens were going to get a, in a shootout with these guys. You know, Jerry Goff flipping the switch, turning on the lights. Todd Gurley hitting some strides. You know, he's the Rams have been trying to extend, um, expand his role in this 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 Rams offense. And to me on paper it seemed like okay, well the Rams they're desperate. Desperate teams are the most dangerous. They're going to be the guys to come in here and make the upset. It just felt natural to say that was going to happen. But that obviously was not the case. I was I was flat out wrong. Flat out wrong. And, I, and look, I'm fine with being flat out wrong when it means the Ravens are do- are dominating 45 to 6 final score. I thought it was gonna be a 38 35 loss, 45 to 6 final score. And in my opinion, there's there are key points in this game, you know, where it became apparent the Rams were gonna have a little bit more of a tough time than we thought. And, you know, Todd Gurley had a couple nice runs to start. You know, he had a, a one yard run, but then his second run, he goes for 10. And you said to yourself, okay, looks like Todd Gurley is going to start moving this ball, right? 15 yards in in the start of the second quarter. He had some nice runs. But after that, there really wasn't much more we saw of Todd Gurley. And he only ran the ball six times. And, you know, the Rams get down by a couple scores. They start wanting to throw the ball. But the key to this game for Los Angeles was to establish a run game first with Todd Gurley. And that's not what they did. The Rams didn't do that. The Rams, I mean, yes, Jared Goff had to have a good game to beat the the Baltimore Ravens. That's a fact. He He had to play well. He played okay. He didn't play well. And when you abandon the run game that early on, you just give up like that with Todd Gurley... I mean, Todd Gurley is one of the NFL's premier rushers. I know he's been injured. I know he's been slower than normal. But he is a premier running back in this league. And you have to. If you're the LA Rams, you have to set up. Set him up. To be successful. And the Rams didn't do that. The Rams simply ignored him. You know... Six rushes all game, unacceptable for Los Angeles. I mean, I see why they limited him because, again, the Ravens started to move. Two touchdowns, well, they scored a touchdown on every single drive Lamar Jackson had, but two quick touchdowns to, to Marquise Brown, right? They got sent panicking. That's exactly what happened. They were panicking. And I said I also said that, that Jerry Goff had to have a good game. He had to have a lights-out game. And do well. And and look, if you can pass the ball with Jerry Goff on this Ravens defense and it's working, go for it. But it wasn't working. It wasn't working by any means. Two twelve yards, 5.7 average per attempt, two interceptions, no touchdowns, quarterback rating of 62 was his final stats sheet. 26 of 37, actually. Is, is, And, you know, that's completions and attempts there. That's also important to know. Not a very good um, chunk there. Lamar Jackson, 15 for 20. 169 yards, you might be like, oh, 169 yards is pretty, you know, not very good. 8.5 average per attempt, that's pretty good. QBR of 99.7, quarterback rating of 139.4. He had over 70 more points on a quarterback rating and QBR than Jared Goff. That's amazing. And this Rams defense, look, Aaron Donald should have been scary. Did nothing against the Ravens' offensive line. With Pat McCarry at center. I know they double teamed him. But Pat McCarry, McCarry, as part of that double team, should not have been able to prevent Aaron Donald from doing anything. Jalen Ramsey on that defense, where was he all game? He got run over by Justice Hill. And the funny thing about this whole. Jalen Ramsey fiasco. You know, he and um, – what I mean by that is he and um, – who's the guy we traded for from the Rams? I can't believe it. Marcus Peters. He and Marcus Peters started drawing, a, or drawing at each other all game, really. Got a, into a bit of an argument after the game. But think about this. The Rams gave up first-round pick now and a first-round pick in the future to get Jalen Ramsey and traded um, Marcus Peters away to us. We gave up a fourth-round pick, or was it a fifth-round pick? I think it was a fifth. And we gave up Kenny Young. And Marcus Peters is way more dominant right now than Jalen Ramsey is. That's insane. And and it's really a testament to to Eric DeCosta for finding guys who fit the scheme and getting them super cheap. I mean, I really hope we extend um, Marcus Peters after this year because he's been phenomenal for us. He and Marlon Humphrey would make an excellent team for a very, very long time. I'm so glad he's on this team. I hope we can extend him soon. Now, back to the Rams game, though. So we had 195 total yards in the air because RG3, you know, who really should be named RG4 now for fourth quarter, right, comes in, throws for 39 yards, three attempts, one completion. I think it was actually to our rookie, Miles Boykin, number 80, 39-yard shot, finished with a QBR of 42.9, quarterback rating of 81.9. Higher QBR and higher quarterback rating than Jared Goff. Amazing. No no picks, no touchdowns. Was sacked once. Lamar was sacked twice for nine yards, but, you know, whatever. Because Lamar also had eight carries for 95 yards. Longest was a 29-yarder, which he was angry about, by the way, because he didn't get in the end zone. He went down, like, to the two-yard line and was so angry he didn't get in the end zone. I'm like, dude, you just ran for 29 yards. Chill. Like, why are you so... Upset with himself, but that's just the guy Lamar is. He's so much of a perfectionist. He wants to score on every play, and he didn't score on that one. He was very upset with himself. Now, he averaged 11.9 yards per carry, which is more than a first down every time he takes the ball, which is really something. You know, I, I, I keep saying it, but I really didn't think this was ever going to happen with Lamar Jackson. I really never saw this coming. I always thought he was going to be too much of a project was not going to pan out. Maybe be a decent quarterback, but never a great quarterback. I was so wrong. I was so wrong. This game is evidence against that, against my former position, which, by the way, I declared over as soon as I saw that Miami Dolphins game. Next day I had an article out, I was wrong. And that was it. I've been on the more train since. Now there are some people who are still not, but that's okay. But back to this game, Mark Ingram also, had a very good game, and he's having a fantastic season. You know, for $15 million over three years, $5 million average, that's pretty darn good compared to the money Le'Veon Bell got, which is around $60 million for like four years. We're getting so much bang for our buck with Mark Ingram. He had 15 carries for 111, that's 111, 111 yards. And a touchdown. His longest was a 25 yard run, averaged 7.4 yards a carry. Don't forget about Gus Edwards, who had 14 carries for 55 yards, 3.9 per carry. You know, really in some short yardage situations he was brought in, and to have that 3.9 average, you know, being thrown up in the middle like that, it's pretty darn good. Longest was 11. Justice Hill, as we said, ran over Jalen Ramsey at one point. Eight carries, 27 yards, 3.4 average. 11 uh, was his longest. And RG3 had three attempts, finished with negative three yards. His longest was negative one yards. So he was really not too great running the ball when he came in for Lamar, but they were just running the clock out. Actually, wait a minute. What am I talking about? That's a kneel down. That's just dumb of me. I didn't even realize that. Those are kneel downs, so who cares? He didn't even run the ball at all. Why are kneel downs even on rushing stats? That's the real question. Why do we count kneel downs as rushes? They're not rushes. They're just giving up. Well, not giving up, but giving up the play. Just to advance. That's just stupid. So they almost got me there, but I'm too vigilant for that, as you all know. Um, Receiving wise, you know, Mark Andrews had a nice game. No touchdowns though, 45 yards on two receptions. Miles Boykin, 54 yards on two receptions. Marquise Brown with the best night of anybody on the receiving core. Two touchdowns, 42 yards on five attempts. On five catches, I should say. Actually targeted seven times. Seth Roberts, 3 for 39. Who Seth Roberts, in recent weeks, has actually been a pretty good receiver for the Ravens. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I have. And I've been very impressed with Seth Roberts. Um, Ingram caught a ball, which is a touchdown. Um, Willie Sneed had two touchdowns as well um, on two receptions, 14 yards, both for a touchdown. Mark Ingram's touchdown reception was for 7 yards. Nick Boyle, no touchdowns this week, 1 for 7. And finally, Hayden Hurst had a target but no catches. Defensively, the Ravens shut down. I mean, it's it's what are we going to talk about? Mark Mark uh, Marcus Peters had a pass deflection and an interception. Jimmy Smith had an interception as well. I mean, just a complete beatdown of this team. Josh Bynes had a nice game, three tackles, um, two of them were combined, but he had a solo. Um, Jimmy Smith had three solo tackles. Marcus Peters led the game in eight tackles too, which is pretty crazy. Jalen Ferguson with a tackle for loss. I don't know if anybody – I know there's some people who had a sack. Yeah, here they are. Jimmy Smith had a sack. So Jimmy Smith had a sack, which is the tackle for loss, pass deflection, quarterback hit, and interception, uh, on th- and three tackles total. Um, another sack went to Matthew Judon, who was pressuring – I mean, Matthew Judon all night was pressuring Goff. I don't know if Goff was able to sleep without thinking of Matt Judon coming up behind him because Matt Judon, you know, that body built by Taco Bell really – was hammering Goff all night, putting so much pressure on him. Two quarterback hits, but the pressure was there. And I'm telling you, Eric DaCosta, give this man some money. We don't need him to walk because he is the best pass rusher we have. He's developing into one of the least best pass rushers. We've been saying it for years he was going to do it because we all saw the talent he has, and we knew that Judon was going to be very good, and he's proving it. So... Matthew Judon definitely deserves some money. He's got seven sacks on the year. We don't want him to walk away like Z'Darrius Smith, like Terrell Suggs, okay? We want him to come in, come back to the Ravens, and be a stout pass rusher for years for us, be the next maybe Terrell Suggs. I want to see that happen. A.M. Marshall. A.M. Marshall got in the game with a tackle. Um, Ty Spouser had a tackle. Two quarterback hits, which is nice for him. You know he hasn't been very good for the Ravens long term here, but four sacks this season, 18 tackles, he actually looks pretty darn nice. You know I have to say he looks like he's much better this year than at any year prior. That's saying something, and I'm really happy for him because uh, I do like him. I think he's a good good player here. Just just hasn't had the time to develop. Uh, Jihad Ward, not super involved in this game, even though he's been a pretty good player for us, only a quarterback hit, and that just goes to show you everybody was getting involved in this pass rush. Special teams-wise, um, Sam Cook punted once, it was really late in the game, we were joking all game on Twitter, what happened to Sam Cook? you know, Sam Cook's just chilling on the sidelines, playing video games, you know, what's he doing, taking a nap, only came in once. And the Ravens, you know, I have to say, that, he almost came in, right? And then... They got a penalty, so they said, oh, we're going to send Tucker in. And then they take Tucker out, and then this is, like, from the 40-some yard line. They take Tucker back out. They put the Ravens in. It was, like, fourth and 12. I don't even know what it was, but it was longer than normal, and they got it. It was, like, the third quarter, and they're up 35 to zero or whatever it is. 35 to three. Who knows? But, I mean, the Ravens are just so aggressive, and we barely see Sam Cook punt anymore. Where is Sam Cook? Has anybody seen Sam Cook? You know, this – he punts like once a game now, which is amazing to think about. He's punted this year twenty-four times. His lowest punting, his lowest amount of punts ever was last year with sixty. He's got twenty-four. We have four games left. We've punted twenty-four times in twelve games, twice per game. Think about that for a second. But moving on now, I do I do want to talk about the 49ers game, even though I I mean I keep meaning to watch the rest of it, but I'm so darn busy. Now, when I got there, and I wasn't able to listen to some on the radio driving down. Now, now hey, it's not my fault that I got, got here late to this game and I wasn't able to cover it. First of all, I left my house making sure I had an hour to spare before the game. In case of traffic, in case of a line, I'd be there hopefully with an hour left. Supposed to get there at twelve o'clock. Kickoff is at one. I didn't get there till two. I got delayed two hours on I which is just terrible. So that happened. But what I did see of the game, I listened to it as much as I could on the radio, like the entire first quarter. Didn't see like anything of the second quarter because I was walking over from our parking garage. Um, but it was a tough. It was a, it was a slugfest. It was two juggernaut teams going at it in the worst conditions possible. And I have to ask one question to everyone who watched the game. This is at the end of the game. Did anybody actually think Justin Tucker was going to miss that kick? Honestly, when they sent Tucker out there for that 49-yarder, even though it was pouring rain, even though it was freezing, and I was standing in the upper decks, I didn't sit the entire game. It was too wet. I I didn't want to pull that seat down and have to clean it all up and sit there miserable. I stood the entire time. We're all standing in the upper deck. And I'm saying to people, this guy's not missing. No one, Nobody up there expected him to miss. Now, if you were a, a 49ers fan, maybe you thought, oh, maybe he'll miss. But we all know Justin Tucker. Tucker was not going to miss that kick. All of us knew that. And he delivered. He flat out delivered. He's the MVP of the game, even though Lamar had a good game. You know. Justin Tucker's the MVP. Now, the 49ers got off to a early lead with a Jimmy Grappolo touchdown to, I believe it was um, Raheem Mostert on the catch. And that should not have happened because, I mean, I didn't see it, but everybody on the radio, on Twitter was saying Marcus Peters was in position to catch the ball, but lost track of the ball and let the touchdown happen. And in those rain conditions, you know, it's even amazing that he was able to catch it. If you weren't at the game, you have no idea how bad it was. You could see it on television, but if you're not there, I felt like I was going to die standing out in the rain. But, you know, it was worth it. I got back to the car. I, I turned on the heat. I put the heat, like, up to 80, and I just put my hands up to the um, the vents because, you know, it wasn't that cold. But, you know, the combined wind up there in the upper decks, the rain – you know, I didn't have any gloves on. That was a stupid move. Uh, I had po- my hands in my pockets and my jacket, but it got wet in there. So the entire – I mean, it was so wet and cold. You try to move your fingers and they're moving at like, you know, half a mile an hour speed, right? They're so slow. So, I mean, that's that's how cold it was. That's how rainy it was. You know, it wasn't just physically cold, but all the elements together made it very cold, very wet. Not great conditions. So it's amazing that anybody could actually catch the ball – in the conditions that were on the field. It's amazing they were able to play on that field. It was the, the worst rain game. And I went to two rain games last year. The two first games were, were bad rain games. This is the worst rain game I've ever been to. Okay, this is it. Far worse rain game I've ever been to. But anyway, uh, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. Marcus Peters should have caught that ball. Marcus Peters should have picked the ball off. And he didn't. That's okay. Honestly, it happens. The guy... The guy's a freewheeler, okay? And I don't mean that negatively. He's the kind of guy that's going to go out there and play how he plays. And he takes risks for big payoffs. And a lot of the times, those are huge payoffs, and we go crazy. And I really don't want it any other way because, look, Marcus Peters, we need some risks. We need risk takers. Ed Reed was a huge risk taker. But when they paid off, they paid off huge. It's the same thing with Marcus Peters. It happens. I can't be critical of him. He's been too good for us this entire time. One bad play since coming over to the Ravens. For everything he's done for us, I give him a huge pass for that. And we still won the game, so who cares? Uh, In the end, who actually cares? I really can't tell you much more about the defense because it was just terrible up there. I could barely see the numbers. You know, it it was difficult. Going off the stats here, Humphrey was seven tackles. Um... Jimmy Garoppolo only passed for 165 yards and a touchdown, 15 times out of 15 completions out of 21 times. Uh, quarterback rating of 110.2. The ground game with Raheem Mostert was their absolute biggest. I'm sorry, he didn't pass to Raheem Mostert. He passed to Debo Samuel. What am I talking about? I was looking at the wrong stats. But the ground game, Raheem Mostert on the ground, 19 carries for 146 yards, 7.7 average was the best. Debo Samuel had a end-around sort of thing, I think it was. i Don't quote me on that. For 20 yards. But the other rushers, Tevin Coleman had five carries for six, six, uh, six yards. Longest was two. Jimmy Garoppolo had a rush for three yards. Um, George Kill had a rush for negative three yards. But Raheem Mostert on the ground for 146 was their leading way to, to accumulate yards. And the Ravens and 49ers actually had pretty close rushing numbers here. 174 rushing yards. For the Niners, 178 for the Ravens. The Ravens actually rushed way more than the Niners, so the Niners were more efficient in getting those rushing yards, actually. Believe it or not, because that's not normal for the Ravens to be out-produced um, efficiency-wise in the rushing attack. The 49ers rushed 29 times for an average of 6 yards per carry. The Ravens rushed 38 times for an average of 4.7. Now, 4.7 is still a great average, but they were shown up a little bit by the 49ers there um lamar throwing 14 for 23 105 and a touchdown he threw that touchdown to mark andrews i think that was in the first quarter i remember hearing that on the radio he targeted andrews six times only caught three i mean Hurst was caught caught three out of four after the game lamar said it was super hard to throw the ball it's not like he took a step back here throwing he lost his mechanics or something and and honestly turned back into a running back or some ridiculous thing no i mean so difficult to throw in those conditions what happens when it's so rainy like that and it's cold, right? The ball, first of all, it gets heavier and it gets a little tighter to hold, right? So it's – the trajectory is different than you would be, you know, if you if you were throwing in the sun, in the cold. You know, if you're throwing in the cold, even if it's snowing, right, the ball's not going to be that, that much heavier. Maybe slightly because of the cold, you know, condensing – the the uh the pigskin i know it's not actually pigskin but whatever it is the leather i don't know when it's raining though it adds all that wetness the grip is different it's heavier you know there's more mass to that ball it's so so difficult to throw in that and honestly to get 105 yards a touchdown no picks finish the day with above 50 percent pass completion is a win for lamar jackson it's a win and hey they won the game too we were sitting up there, and we're like, it was six minutes left to go, right? They get the ball with six minutes, and we're all standing there, up in the upper deck. Please, we're all thinking, don't let this go to overtime. Just end it here so we can go home. And they came in the clutch, and they did it. And I have to say, I, I expected Justin Tucker once put in that position to do it. Wasn't sure if they were going to get to that position, but they did. Now, what does this mean for the Ravens heading to 10-2 here? I want to talk about our playoff implications here. We are ten and two. The Cleveland Browns have officially been eliminated not from playoff contention but from AFC North contention. Five and seven. They cannot catch up to the Ravens. If they win out, we lose out, we still have a lead over them. With four games to go, mind you. So this is a pretty substantial lead here. The Cincinnati Bengals have been eliminated from like day one. They're, you know, one and eleven. they they're they they're gone. Um the only team that can actually Get the Ravens in the in the divisional race. the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are seven and five. If they win out and we lose out, they they win the division. Um, but, but that's gonna have to be a very very, um, you know that's, that'd be a very difficult thing to do. Now, if the Ravens win in Buffalo. Now here's where things get that get murky, right? The Ravens currently have. Let's backtrack. The Ravens currently have. chance to make the playoffs this isn't just me making up numbers this is 538 now you don't know 538 They do um, polls for politics they do um, uh, percentages for potential wins and losses in the NFL and in other sports they're very big on stats they have they're very good at projecting things now they're not always perfect but they're gonna give you the possibility the chance for everything According to them, the Ravens have a greater than 99% chance to make the playoffs, a greater than 99% chance to win the division, a 95% chance to get a first-round bye. They have the highest percent chance of everybody else in the league that is not the New Orleans Saints to make the playoffs because, or, you know, they're also tied with the the New England Patriots to make the playoffs. New Orleans Saints have already clinched, so they're 100% chance to make the playoffs. Now... The Ravens just want to point this out. 538 says the Ravens have a 30% chance to win the Super Bowl. 30, that's highest by far. Now, if we tell 538 the Ravens win in Buffalo, Baltimore clinches a playoff spot. Not the division, but a playoff spot. Okay? The Ravens division still can be won by the Pittsburgh Steelers even if the Ravens get to 11 and 5. Now, does that mean the Steelers are actually going to win the division? They'd have a 3% chance at that point. But they played Tampa Bay this week. Let's say they win against Tampa Bay. Then they have a 6% chance at winning. I'm sorry, what am I looking at here? This is the Colts. The Steelers play Arizona. I am sorry. They have a less than 1% chance to win the division. But they still have a good chance to make the playoffs. Now, the Steelers would have to play Buffalo and New York next. But it doesn't matter because if the Ravens beat the New York Jets... After beating the Bills, they win the division, and that's it. So, the Ravens can clinch a playoff berth this Sunday. Let's review. The Ravens can clinch a playoff berth, a wild card berth at least, against the Buffalo Bills if they win in Buffalo. But they have to win there first. The Ravens can clinch the division with a win over Buffalo and a win over New York. But if the Ravens win over Buffalo and the the, um, Pittsburgh Steelers lose against Arizona in Arizona, the Ravens clinch the division because the Steelers would fall to a best possible record of 10-6, and six, while the Ravens' leas- the worst possible record would be 11-5. and five. There's no way the Pittsburgh Steelers could possibly catch up. They could maybe make the playoffs as a wild card, but an 11-5 record with a 10-6 and six Steelers team will force the Ravens to win the division. And all the Ravens have to do now is continue to fight the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm sorry, the New England Patriots, mixing up a rival with rival here, for that first round bye, for that number one seed. If the Ravens get the number one seed, they will be the odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl, I imagine, at least to go to the Super Bowl. Um, so it's crucial they get that number one seed. It gives them home field advantage, critical home field advantage, always helpful. Um, so that's our playoff s- review here heading into the, l- the final stretch the last four weeks. Um, it's going to be very interesting. I-, I-, I don't want football season to end, and it might not end until February the way the Ravens are playing here. But we first got to get past the Bills, and the Bills – Look, the Bills are never that great, but this year, they're a solid team. I have to commend the Bills for what they've done. This offseason, I was looking at them. I think I was on the Goal Line Stance podcast, which is, you know, if you don't know, it's an occasional podcast I do with a friend, Nick Sparber, um, and co host. And we were reviewing I'm like, look, the Bills made a lot of nice moves this offseason. Josh Allen looked okay at the end of the season, and now he looks pretty darn good. Um, they get John Brown in, they've got Frank Gore still. You know they they have some players up there in Buffalo. They really do. They had a nice off season and it's of them. They're ten and three. They're coming off a win against the the Cowboys. Um, not ten and three, nine and three. They're riding high. They actually have a chance to win the AFC East, which is amazing. I mean, it would take New England to falter a little bit, but they're right behind New England and they're they're humming. So, what's it going to take to prevent the Bills from upsetting the Ravens? Because even though the Ravens are going to Buffalo, they are actually the favorites, I think by six and a half points, to beat Buffalo. How how do the Buffalo Bills stop the Ravens? Honestly, I don't know. Because every time I say there's a way to stop the Ravens, a team has to do this, a team has to do that, it doesn't actually happen. In my opinion, they're going to have to figure out a way to keep Lamar from dominating on the ground because that's where the Ravens' success starts. It doesn't mean they could still win if Lamar has a throw. I'm not saying that. It means they have to have to stop what the Ravens are most successful at first, and that's running the ball. But even if they stop Lamar, we have Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, Marquise Brown can do end rounds. There's too many components of the rushing game. And, I, I mean, look— they are, I think, the fifth best rushing team. Fifth best, yeah. They have the fifth best, the fifth best rushing attack in the league. So you know they're a team that could practice well against us. Um, now, defensive wise, I I don't know why I didn't include any defensive stats here, which is stupid. Um, let me get that out for us here now. Um, anyway, I'm a little off this episode. If you can't tell. The Buffalo Bills, you know, they're gonna have to figure out a way to limit the Ravens' um, limit the Ravens' rushing attack, and no team has done that since I don't know when, honestly. Maybe since last year's L.A. game, the, the playoff game. I have I who has stopped them? I mean, can you tell me? Because I can't tell you honestly. I can't. So. You know, and it starts, it starts with the rushing game. The best rushing defenses in the National Football League, Baltimore is 6, Buffalo is 14. So they're not terrible, but no rushing defenses actually stopped the Ravens. Even the best ones this year haven't done a darn thing to the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, coming in with this Buffalo team, the fifth best offensive rushing attack in the league versus versus the Ravens, sixth best rush, best rushing defense. I can't speak today. Sixth best rushing defense in the league. It's going to be very difficult for them not only to produce, um, to prevent the Ravens from dominating on the ground, which is, I mean, pretty much a fool's errand at this point. It's going to be very difficult for them to dominate on the ground themselves, which might be the way. If if the Ravens are going to fight with a time of possession battle on the ground, the Bills may as well fight fire with fire and try to turn the tables and make us lose a time of possession battle. But then the Ravens can also shoot pretty quickly. And and the Bills can shoot pretty quickly, too. I mean, Josh Allen is having a nice year. Now, he's mobile as well, but he's not as mobile as Lamar Jackson. Somebody, I think, made a comment on, um, um, what was it, Twitter or something like that, where they said, you know, Lamar is Lamar. You know, even though these two players have a combined, like, 1407 rushing yards, whatever it is, some historic number, Lamar takes up, like, 900 of those yards. Allen takes up, like, 4 or something He rushes more akin to the way Cam Newton does, you know, kind of slower than Lamar. But he's still a good rusher. And then he's got a cannon of an arm. So we'll see what they can do. Honestly, I just don't see the Buffalo Bills winning this game, to be quite honest with you. I don't see anybody being the Ravens for the rest of the season. I honestly think the Ravens at this point are going to win out. I, it's not that crazy to think about since they've, Dominated every team. This is the last good team in quotation marks they play. You know Pittsburgh's always tough, but they're not that great. I mean they beat the Rams, the 49ers, the Patriots, the Houston Texans. I remember the Cleveland. Everybody remember the Cleveland Browns fans. I'll to divert here. That were saying though, you know, oh we have the easy schedule coming up. You guys have the tough schedule. Good luck. You're not going to do anything. Yeah, we haven't won a we haven't lost a game since week. What was it, four? Um, that's a major L for all of the um, Browns fans out there, saying that we weren't going to win much more. Crazy to think about, that we haven't lost a game since week four. But um, what can the Bills do again to beat us? It might be futile at this point, but they have to try to stop the rushing attack somehow, or at least slow it down. And I think they're going to try to fight fire with fire and, and win their own rushing attack and time of possession battle against the Ravens. Maybe that's what what takes them over the edge. Maybe that's the formula to beat the Ravens right now. No one has actually found a winning formula to beat the Ravens since they overhauled the defense. So it's going to be very tough. Um, but some key players, obviously got Josh Allen. He's got to have a good day for Buffalo. John Brown, I think, has to have a nice day. You remember John Brown from last year with the Ravens, was great with Flacco, not so great with Lamar because he wasn't throwing deep at the time. Uh, he'd probably be good with the Ravens now, though. But 882 yards on the year, 61 catches. He has an average of 14.5 yards per catch, which is very good for a wide receiver. That's a first down and a half every single – not every single play because, you know, it's an average, but basically every play. Um, and I think Tredavious White, the cornerback, should, should need a good day. He's got two picks on the year, you know, getting him – into a groove um, against maybe Marquise Brown or something would totally help. Now, let's just take a look at the, um, the injury report for Buffalo. I don't know why I didn't put it. I usually put it on here. Actually, it's just one player. Uh, Ty Nishik, tackle, has an ankle injury, and he was ruled out. It doesn't look like, um, unless there's another source somewhere else, um, that anybody is really going to be out for the Buffalo Bills or the Baltimore Ravens, since the Baltimore Ravens had all of their participants playing in Ty Nashik. Seems to be, yeah, he is. I just checked the Bills and Ravens website. Ty Nashik is the only player on the injured, injury report um, for the Buffalo Bills. So, yeah, so it's going to be a very healthy game between these two two teams, two very good teams going at it. Um, actually two surprising teams too, because I thought the Ravens would finish nine and seven, which really looks stupid looking back, but that was the consensus. That's what I thought before anybody else made their predictions, but everybody else kind of backed me up on that. Um, and of course, you know, um, the bills, no one saw as a playoff team at all. So that is very interesting as well. So this is a a battle between two very, um, surprising teams, both on the rise For the future, two nice head coaches in Sean McDermott, who I really have a lot of trust in for the Bills, uh, and John Harbaugh, who I think should win Coach of the Year. Two exciting second-year quarterbacks in Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Maybe the two best quarterbacks of that draft class looking back. I think it's still too early for Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and Josh Rosen to be rolled out. But right now, the highest producers are Lamar Jackson and uh, Josh Allen. So we'll see how the Bills do. My official predictions will be out on, I think, Saturday, tomorrow. We'll see how that goes. Um, but in the meantime, make sure you check out BaltimoreFeather.com for all the latest and Ravens news articles, and of course my opinions on there. Follow us at Be more Feather or follow the podcast at Nest Talk. I'm really trying to use a Twitter account for Nest Talk more, um, put more content on it. So I hope you guys enjoy that. Find us on Facebook. Just search up Nest Talk or Baltimore Feather. Um, and make sure you go to Foco.com and use promo code Feather 10 for 10% off. your entire purchase of any Ravens, Orioles, anything on the entire website, it's 10% off. Use it while you still can. It expires December 12th. Um, so we'll see you next week. I promise we will have an episode next week. We're not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do what I did to you this past week uh, with the no, no episode after the Rams game, but we will be back next week for episode 56. But for now, um, let's go see the Ravens win on Sunday and until next week. Um, this is Christopher Linfont signing out.